I thought I was gonna be a star. I thought I was just gonna be walking down the street someday and Steven Spielberg was just gonna be like, there he is, there he is, that I found him. Welcome to episode 11 of Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm your host, Chris DeLugazima. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to learn how you can have a chance to win a $25 gift card. Next up on the hot seat is Monty. As you'll hear, while he regrets some of his decisions and habits around money, he also makes it a point to learn from his past. The money spent on his recent wedding did set him back financially, but he has no regrets there. From Monty, he finds joy in living life to the fullest. And that means spending with intention when it comes to experiences. Monty openly talks about what it's like to live with a mental illness and how his condition often leads to compulsive spending. Our interview took place several days before he closed on his first home. So we'll hear the mixture of anxiety and excitement he's feeling. Before we get there, we'll learn about how his childhood had a profound impact on how he approaches money. Thank you, Monty, for joining us here today. And um, my first question for you is if if you might tell me about what it was like growing up with respect to money in your family. Humble beginnings, I think, would be fair enough to call it. Uh, neither of my parents were in a profession that made a lot of money. You know, my mom was an early childhood educator and my dad was a chef and so neither one of them had a lot of money coming in um they got divorced when i was about seven so there was a lot of split time there and we just got by was really i think the goal each month you know there was some assistance here and there like free lunch and sometimes like a basket of food would just show up on the porch every once in a while my mom wouldn't really tell us where it came from she was also very proud and uh, we were in name brand clothing but it was from goodwill so we like to have an appearance that we we're doing well enough um luckily i i grew up in superior wisconsin which is really far north of Milwaukee. And it really isn't a place where there, there is a lot of people with a lot of money. So I didn't see that. And I never really felt bad about not having a lot of money. I didn't feel like I was on the outside um, looking in or anything like that. But we had some, some tough times. You know, I know, I know what it's like to have the power shut off. And only in the summer, though, because they won't shut it off in the winter. So I think my mom took advantage of that a couple times um, to fall behind maybe on some bills here and there. And it was just about getting by and, um, you know, not spending a lot at the grocery store. Really only got things that were ever on sale. And there are definitely some, you know, when you're a kid, you can Christmas and gifts are, are really important. And some years, you know, wasn't wasn't great, definitely didn't get what was on the list. And some years were a little bit better. So there was a lot of ups and downs and um, there wasn't discussion about money or what to do with it. Just other of the sense that 
and there wasn't a lot of it. I think my dad just seemed to be broke all the time. Um, so there's just some, some sadness there. What was your mindset as you were leaving high school? Do you regret any choices that you made? What life lessons did you learn? I thought I was going to be a star. I thought I was just going to be walking down the street someday and Steven Spielberg was just going to be like, there he is. There he is that I found him. Not quite how it worked out because I didn't, I didn't really work hard at anything for, for many years. And college wasn't a priority for me. I didn't really think about it. My two older siblings and my brother especially took his studies in high school very, very seriously. And he got into Madison, UW-Madison. We're all very proud of that. Um, but it just, it, I don't, I don't know. Um, I just didn't really think about it. I thought everything was always just going to work out for me. And for the most time, most part, it, it always did. But I didn't have any mindset about like, I was always fine working hard once I started getting jobs. Once I had a job, I really liked it. And I was paying for my own car at 17. I had a loan for a vehicle and I was great making the payments. It just, I just was never really concerned about money. It just wasn't in your consciousness as much at, at that age. Yeah. It just wasn't a focus at all. I was just having a good time with my buddies and living life. And um, that, that was it. It was just never a focus. And I didn't think it was ever going to be a focus. I didn't expect you know, I thought if I was going to be a big star that I would have millions of dollars. But if that didn't happen, I was perfectly fine with whatever happened for me. And when you speak of stardom, were you thinking less about the money then and just more about all the other things that might come along? With it? For sure. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I understand you, 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 you sort of tried out college for a little bit uh, initially after high school. How did, how did that play out? And what kind of decisions were you faced with as that occurred? As I graduated high school, I was living with my dad and he said to me, he wanted me to go to college. So I did apply to a technical school and he said that I either went to college or I had to start paying him rent. And my, I thought in my wisdom, like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'll just go to college because I didn't expect that I was going to have to pay for it. Um, I didn't take those studies very seriously. So the reason I went to college the first time was so I didn't have to pay rent to my dad. And that was really the only motivation I had for going to college at the time. I lasted one semester. Um, oh, I even tried to drop classes um, that I was failing in and didn't do that in time. So I still had to owe the full amount for classes that I thought, I think I thought I had dropped them successfully. I did not drop them successfully. So I even end up um, having to pay for those courses that I just stopped going to. Um, because I didn't drop the classes and I didn't apply, I didn't register for new classes. They sent me my entire financial aid check in the mail just as a check to me. And that was like a major windfall. I was like, wow, free money. And I didn't even have to do anything for it. And my friends were all, you know, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to pay this back someday. I was like, yeah, not today though. Let's spend this. 
as That's future Monty. That's her future yeah. Monty, not for present day Monty. Right, right. Everything was gonna always just work out for future Monty. So present day Monty just didn't didn't really. The money was just gonna come and go and everything in my life was going to be hunky dory I thought no matter what yeah and it I didn't I just I didn't know everything was going to follow me forever I'd never thought about consequences down the road or what could happen to my credit I didn't really have a plan for an adult life that was going to require strong finances or a strong credit status yeah so it was just sort of living day by day in the moment and oftentimes it it sounds like money would surface when it surfaced but it kind of was more of a reactive thing if, if I'm hearing what you're saying when I got it I spent it I always knew how much I had and I would I would get it and spend it having a good time and just wait for wait for the paycheck to come again and rinse and repeat pretty early on you got your your first credit card right so kind of what was your um experience and motivation for applying like what do you remember about applying for the card itself and then how it played out after you got that card one day i was at home which was rare and i get this telephone call and it is a credit card company and i'm like 19 maybe And they call me and they say, you can have a credit card. And I'm like, cool. And they gave me a credit card. And I think the limit was somewhere around $1,000. And I started spending that with no real plan to pay it back. I thought, cool, more money. I still have the Sony Walkman, the disc player. That's one thing I still have from that credit card era. Um, But I ended up. They, they ended up um, taking me to court many, many years later. And that's when I learned about having my, um, what's the term when they take money straight out of your paycheck? A garnishment. A garnishment. I learned about a garnishment a few years after that. And I thought I would just move around. Like I was living in Superior, Wisconsin. And then at 19, a buddy and I moved to Seattle. And I just thought... It's not going to follow me there. I'll just have this credit card and then I'll just keep moving in my life in some sort of fun nomadic type of way. And I just didn't think it was going to follow me. I thought I would just spend all the credit card and then that would be that. So as you said, like eventually they took you to court. They actually went after your wages. Before that happened, like, how did you even find out that you had been sued? Were you, did you actually get notice or did a family member get notice of it? Did you show up on a credit report or were you just blindsided when you got the paycheck garnished? As simple as I got the call giving me the credit card was as simple as the knock at the door getting served papers. And then at that point, I'd already moved a couple times. I'd moved from Seattle back to my hometown and then to Madison and then to Milwaukee. And I had no idea it was coming at that time. I just got a knock on the door, but at that point I had no connection to a credit report and I don't recall getting any collections calls. Um, So I only had a cell phone at that point 
for like maybe a year or two. So I don't know if they had my number, but eventually they got my address and there was a nice young gentleman and yes, I'm Monty. Okay. Papers. All right. And I went to court. I like, I was, I had a good time in court. It was, I was an interesting set of proceedings. And whenever I get my name called for court or otherwise, I'm always, I always show up. And um, yeah, they, I pled whatever. I'm like, yeah, I owe the money. Like I wasn't going to debate that I'd spent that money while I'm in court, like five, six years after the, after I'd bought that Walkman. And the, the legal assistant who talked to me in the hall was very pleasant. They're like, we're just, we're going to start garnishing your paychecks. I'm like, okay, that's, that seems fair. I understand the consequences of what happened here. I spent the money. I didn't pay it back. And now you're coming for it. And it's even more money though, than I spent because of collection fees and legal fees. It was kind of, I didn't think it was a raw deal. I, I knew what I had done. A quick note for our listeners. Monty's experience with getting sued was unique to his situation. The legal process with unpaid debt varies from person to person based on state law and other factors. It was a really tough time. Um, at that point, I had a job that was maybe paying like, oh, it's like $8 an hour. And so when that garnishment started, that was, that was pretty tough times. That really became a period of, of stress for me. And as I grew a bit older, started getting you know the monthly bills and um, no credit, there were no other offers coming into me for more credit cards at that point. So I was, I got pretty hungry there for a little while and things got pretty stressful as far as how I was going to make it each month. And that's been a, that's always been a theme. You know, how are you going to yeah. make it? I think that goes back to my childhood as well. So it was already somewhat tight based on what, you know, as you said, making $8 an hour, trying to survive off of that. And then they take, some percentage of, of the pay did 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 that result in the debt eventually being paid off or how, how did that play out eventually mm-hmm. yeah they finished the garnishment and that was a really fun day when that was over and i kind of remember this period looking back fondly like i tell a story i had an apartment all of my furniture was inflatable i had one plate i had all my cutlery was from schlotsky's because they had really nice reinforced, uh, nice big spoons. I had one knife. I had one frying pan that could handle three eggs. And that was it, you know, and I looking back, I'm like, that was that was living that was almost easier than I think, where I am now, which is, you know, more money, more problems. Hmm. Yeah, tell me about that. So do, do you would you say that because you're it, things were tight. Was it easier because you were younger, you were in your early 20s, and it was just maybe all of your peers were sort of living in perhaps similar circumstances? Or or is it, as you said, it was just simpler versus as people get older, they have more, there's just more going on with their finances. And It was easier. I was young. My friends were all in the same position. None of us that I was hanging out with had them had any money or really any real financial prospects. 
and it was just about getting by and it was simple because there was nobody was relying on me for anything um i wasn't with my now wife or um, i didn't have any pets it was just do i have enough money for this case of rolling rock and do i have money for this video game that i want and so long as i had both those things i was happy i've always been been happy no matter how skim the milk has been interesting interesting your expression up there yeah how skim the milk is but i like it that's why you buy two percent because yeah. if you buy two percent you can stretch that milk out you know <laughs> my grandma taught me that when you start running short on milk just add a little water now you've got one percent add a little more water now you're at skim still <laughs> still eating your cereal as you said, you're you're you've never shied away from putting in the work to to hustle. Um, and you had mentioned in your email that you had were hustling a lot in your 20s, often working multiple jobs. Um, what was that like in terms of um, kind of your approach to making money during that time? I really liked my jobs. I worked at a car dealership where I hung out with my buddies all day in and just walking around the, the lot, washing cars and whatnot. And then I was delivering pizzas, which was just a true adventure. Um, Cause really you get a, really get a snapshot of people's lives when you're standing at the door, giving them pizza, you kind of get to look inside. And then I was working at Miller park as an usher during Brewers games, but that was my answer to how I was I going to pay all my bills was, yeah, get another job. And luckily I was young and had a lot of energy and was always having fun, was always enjoying myself. And it was just the simplest answer to paying my bills was to get another job. I didn't think that at that point, stardom had not sprung for me. And I didn't really have a lot of confidence in myself at the time. I didn't think I was going to go back to school or if I did, um, it wouldn't be for something that made a lot of money. And I just kind of got in this feeling that I was going to be a guy that made $10 an hour for the rest of his life. And then that was the way it was going to be. And if I had to work 60 hours a week. Well, that's, you know, 10 times 60, which is different than 10 times 40. And it sounds to me like given your energy level, given the fact that these were all jobs that you enjoy doing, that it was work, but kind of didn't feel like work in, in that sense, would you say, or? I was always having a good time. You know, I've always been really loyal to my jobs and definitely was never in a position like where I went through jobs really quickly. Like I couldn't keep them. No, I always showed up and everybody always you know, liked me. You can get pretty far in life. I found if that's the case yeah. and that was just the way it was going to be. And I didn't really think that anything was ever going to change. I just was kind of resolute to, be in that that bracket and not and keep it simple you know i didn't have a lot of responsibilities except for paying my my monthly bills and i was able to do that and there was never any getting ahead and this was a period of time before the credit started 
the credit card offers started up again. Um, so I didn't really have any urges or didn't really get myself in any troubles overspending on anything. There just wasn't any money. There just, just wasn't there. So I had what I had and I spent what I had on bills. And then um, I've always been really, really good at paying my bills. I haven't paid late on a bill except for the power bill. <laughs> and, and that credit card, I guess, but that was early. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, yes. After that. No, no, so that's a good point. Did that experience actually cause you to be more regimented with that? Or was that kind of the norm? And it just that happened to be a blip on the radar when that happened. It got a lot easier with the paying bills online, the internet. At that point, and you know, uh, it was like I was gonna send in a check, like I was gonna mail them a check every month. That wasn't gonna happen. And um, but I got, I, yeah, I got older and um, took responsibility for my bills. So yeah, I definitely took a lot out of that lesson with that initial credit card. And I think the lesson definitely was if you don't pay what you originally owe, you're just gonna end up paying more money in those court fees and those legal fees. And although I wish I had kind of carried that into that thinking into what happened once the credit card offers started rolling in, um, as far as, as I paid them on time, you know, after that I paid all my bills on time. I know later in life, you eventually did go back to college. Um, so what led you to that decision and how did it play out both financially and, and academically and so forth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I had gotten in trouble. I got a, an OWI ticket um, one winter and it was definitely, I was getting a lot of pressure from my family. And then at that, at that time, um, I'd begun dating my wife and she had in, um, it was definitely kind of like put up or shut up time. You know, I kind of turned myself around a little bit and I thought maybe I am not a $10 an hour person. Maybe there is something more for me. And Barack Obama thought the same thing for me. He was incredibly inspirational to me. And there was a couple times I caught a speech of his where he was, Barack Obama told me to work hard. Barack Obama told me to go to school and I guess make something of myself and be part of America, helping America succeed in that way by helping myself succeed. So I applied to college and that was just a blast, but it didn't really make me any smarter financially because I got financial aid and then talk about how easy something is. Click, click, they would just send me more money than they were even going to. And I didn't subsidize, unsubsidize, give me the money. And they would just give me even extra money. And then I would just live lavishly with, you know, decadent meals and, and trips throughout that entire time. And I stayed in school as long as I could getting this, getting this free money, which yes, I am repaying. Um, but even at that time, I don't know if I had like a plan after college. I just knew people wanted me to do that. So I did it. How long did you end up um, staying in school for, for that period? 
Mm-hmm. I went to school for four years at MATC, which is traditionally like, quote unquote, a two-year school. So I did two years of a dedicated program and got an associate of arts degree, but then stayed for an additional two years and completed all of my general level, you know, transfer level courses. So if I were to ever go back and pursue a, a bachelor's degree, I, I would be able to jump right into the major. Um, so I, I stayed, I went to, I went to college for four years. And looking back, like how, uh, how long ago was the completion of the four years? Uh, six years ago. Six years ago now. So like looking back, do you, uh, you know, did, was it a good experience? Would you do it again? Do you regret anything about it? How do you feel about it? No, I, I don't regret anything. I had such a blast and I made so, I worked on so many cool projects and I talked to so many of, of my buddies from that time. And so, yeah, friendship has always been so much more important to me than almost anything. So, no, I don't, I don't regret that. And, you know, certainly I could think back about, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have taken that extra money and maybe my student loan payments wouldn't be so high. Um, But yeah, what about, what about those experiences? What about those lavish meals and those, you know, random hotel stays and, you know, also the, the partying, you know, the spending money on, I don't regret any of that, you know, take those experiences away and I'm a different person and I wouldn't want that. How you mentioned like there's still student loans from, from that time period that you're, that you're working your way through, um, kind of what's your outlook in, in, in paying that down right now? I haven't owed one you know, for months, I guess, since March or April or so. And then I don't need to make a student loan payment until January. And I thought at first, maybe this would be a good opportunity to pay ahead. Um, But I didn't want to, I thought maybe I don't want to make the full payment, which I think was like, it's like 340 or something like that. But they wouldn't let me pay now like 100 or 200 to take advantage of this period of time where there's no interest accruing, I would have to make that full monthly payment. Just a lot easier right now to, if I'm not, if I don't have to make them, you know, and I would have to make them in full. Um, it just seems like something that is, you know, I did uh, an elevated, an escalator type um, repayment plan. So it goes up every two years. And I thought, you know, my reasoning at the time was to, you know, have the lower payment from the get-go. And I told myself, like, well, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm probably going to, my income is going to increase one way or the other. And also, you know, the dollar isn't going to have the same value year to year. So that's how I rationalized that to myself, even though I realized I was going to end up paying more money through interest because of that escalator type repayment plan. Several years ago, you mentioned that you received a job offer that offered a higher than expected salary. Um, Can you share more about how you reacted to that experience and how that played out? It was an amount of money. Do you, do people tell you amounts of money? It's kind of relevant, but the, the initial offer was 
$44,500. And this was more money than I ever thought I was going to make. Growing up, I thought like $30,000. I thought that was like a standard for adult, you know, quote unquote, adult level money. So when I got this job offer, I'm like, my life is going to change in such an amazing way, in a way that I had never anticipated at some point as optimistic and confident as I can be, you know, there's another side of me that's uh, nothing, nothing really this good is, is going to come my way. Nothing is ever going to get too much easier, but yeah, I, I have five, coming up on five years ago, I got this job offer and I'm still with that job and working really hard at it and good at it. And it just changed everything. I remember getting the call in the parking lot of this nighttime job I had at, an, at a car dealership and just, just pacing back and forth. And I was just, I was just elated. I was so happy for what my life was going to be. And I was just, I was really happy for my, um, my wife, really. I was, I was thinking about her a lot and what she wanted in life. And it meant that all of that was going to happen and we were going to be together forever because I was able to get to that adult. I was, I was becoming like, 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 like good at it. You know, I was there. So, I felt like I had arrived at a place that I didn't think that I was going to get to. So it was surprising, but in a very good way, in a very positive way for you at that point. Definitely. Definitely. And although it's, a lot of times it feels like I don't have any more money than I did back in the days when I was scraping by, because you know, I can still be a person that's paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, on the day before the paycheck hits, I can be down into, you know, the single digits of, of an amount of money in my bank account, which is just something I've, I'm very comfortable with. Um, I'm very good with the amount of money I have. I'm very diligent in this accounting app that I use on my phone where I enter every single transaction I make, even my cash transactions, categorize them. And I'm very, yeah, I do a really good job of it. So although I spend all my money, I know exactly how much I have to spend. And I'll even take pride if I can get you know, I've gotten down to like 40 cents in my bank account, not by luck, but because of careful planning in how much fun I was able to have that period of that paycheck period. Would you say that, do you end up doing sort of quote unquote better when it's down to a very small amount or is it when you're spending down the, the higher amounts initially, it's, it is done with intention and it's just sort of the way your budget's constructed? When I've got money in the bank, if there's a windfall, a tax return, a bonus, these student loan checks, it's just willy, you know, it's, I'm freewheeling. I'm a fun guy to be around. You know, I'm very generous and everybody's having a good time. And I'm still doing a, a, a job, you know, of, of Make, I know how much money I'm spending. It's just the spending is so uh, easy to do for me sometimes. And so getting my dollar value, my bank account lower and lower and lower 
yeah, I really, that's, I just become more strict and more strict with myself and my spending. I'm just good at, I'm good at not having a lot of money. And I, that definitely was something I think would harken back to my childhood where we just didn't have a lot, but we figured it out. And I'm, yeah, I guess part of me is, part of me is just comfortable not having, not having any money. If all my bills are paid, I'm fine. Would you say then the reverse is true? Are you uncomfortable when there's extra money, when you have these windfalls that will happen on occasion? I'm just excited for all the stuff I'm going to do and all the stuff that I'm going to buy. And I just feel like, you know, it's definitely not any sort of like recommended financial planning or saving for the future. I'm just like, I'm going to get this and I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and this is going to be great. And it always is. And then when there's no more money, I'm just waiting for there to be more money again. So you're very open about talking about what it's like to deal with an emotional and mental disorder. Can, can you share how this, or how you imagine this affects your finances, your spending, your, your planning, your goals, just kind of the intersection between that and your financial life? Yeah, so I have bipolar one and it's marked by periods of, I don't deal with like depression in a big way, which I'm really happy about. <laughs> Um, but I do have periods where I'm hypomanic and in these periods, I'm really go, go, go. And it's incredibly easy in these times for me to spend money on things that I don't need compulsively. And those things can really eat up your money very, very quickly. And you're taking cash out. And then it's just kind of like, well, yeah, boom, I, I took the cash out of my account. So I know how much money I have left to spend. But then the moment it's in my hand might as well be out of my hand. Um, so that it has definitely affected every single part of my life, especially spending wise. Um, once after a couple years after the whole garnishment had, had um, subsided, that was when credit card offers started to come back in. I was at Target and they were like, you can have a credit, you can have a Target card. I didn't ask for it. I didn't apply. I thought like I was, I thought my credit was destroyed. I thought this just wasn't something that was going to happen. So once I got that Target card, I got it, but, and I, I was, I was paying it, uh, making those minimum payments as I needed to. And then they really started to roll in their credit card offers. I ended up with about, uh, I think like seven or eight of them within probably a three-year period. And I just was spending really to the maximum limit. And a lot of that was because of, you know, a, a, my dis a disorder that I deal with that one of the symptoms is, is about compulsive spending when I can get in this really, really cool, really great mood that I really enjoy. But um, it's like, there's no tomorrow. And I'm so in the moment of gratifying myself and getting like, you know, dopamine um, hits by just spending money on, on clothes and um, other things. So uh, definitely. And then it's just, sometimes I get in this mood where I don't care about tomorrow. It'll work itself out. I'm just so in the moment that I need to have this thing right now. Um, so it's definitely been something that I've, I've always dealt with and I wasn't really able to get any help with it. 
until I found a way to get this, that, that adult level job that came with healthcare. Cause I didn't have that. I didn't have any access to, to something like that or try to during my twenties and into my late twenties. So it wasn't until I got health insurance that I really started to take care of myself in that way and was able to get uh, treatment and medication. And so if you, you know, if I had a disorder and I could have diagnosed myself, right. Being a, a smart guy and having like access to like the DSM five, like I could have told you, I didn't need a doctor, but once the doctor prescribed me the medication that I'm on, it was really when it hit me like, wow, I was really dealing with, with something. I'm lucky to be here um, with all the really just dangerous uh, decisions that I made like risk take like more likely to risk, yeah. yeah yeah risk taking yeah for sure like even you know mentioning the the OWI ticket that kind of even spurred this advancement with going to college in my life you know that was all part of it and you know that was a very expensive ticket for sure um, but it, well yeah it wasn't until I started you know having treatment that I realized how big of an effect it was having on my life and at that point I had, I'd already maxed out six, seven credit cards. And so, so how, was, yeah, how, what was, so once it, it kind of had, had reached six or seven cards being maxed out. And I guess at this point, then you had been um, receiving treatment, right? How, how have you uh, attempted to, to tackle that debt and kind of where are you in that journey? Yeah, I was, I was making minimum payments for very long and didn't, you know, then I would spend all my money that I would have in my bank account, my checking account, but I always figured, you know, I have more money and I was able to make a minimum a payment enough to get that tank of gas that I didn't plan for. Boom, after three minimum payments in one transaction, you can... Um, take up all the space that I, I thought I had with these credit cards. Um, I actually had called Green Path several years ago and spoken to a nice gentleman about like options on what I could do. And he went through, you know, all my debts with me and my credit card. And then he kind of proposed some of the options to me, which we basically called nuclear. And he said to me, and I wish I remembered his name, um, he said to me, you just, you just gotta take, you just gotta be smarter. You really have to be more strict with yourself and stop treating yourself so well for a while. And you can do this. You can, you can pay these down on your own without needing to take out another loan or a bankruptcy. Luckily, I just started making more money and kept getting increases and was able to um, get an annual gain share bonus. And so when I've been getting uh, windfalls, it's been easy for me to use that to pay off credit cards is how I've been doing it. And I started the a snowball method that I think I heard from Clark Howard, um, paid off the little ones and rolled that money over into um, the bigger ones. Then I had a wedding and took out money for that. It was, a, I won't say it was extravagant, but everybody truly enjoyed themselves. And even if we tried a bit 
too you know, budgety, budgety uh, with it. Uh, I, if you've anybody I'm sure listening who's had a wedding can definitely understand how the things just start coming out one after the other. And it's a special day. So you want to treat yourself well. And um, I took out a loan for the ring. I'd had some money saved up for this ring that I was ready to use. I knew I wasn't, I didn't have enough saved for the whole thing, but I went to Kessler's and we pick out this amazing ring and this amazing diamond and I apply for the credit and they tell me you're good. We we've got you down for 0% for a year and you don't have to give us any money right now. Um, so that was a significant thing that I had to pay off that kind of delayed the credit card repayment plan. And then there's another loan for the wedding itself that I'm paying back. So the money, as far as the credit cards, I'm glad I was able to get the amount that I paid off while I did before the wedding money was really required. So I'm still dealing with it. I definitely wouldn't say I'm any kind of like success story. I was kind of thinking about this podcast. Am I supposed to be some, some like success? Am I supposed to be here and tell people that? No, that's what they, like, we call these real stories, right? And yeah. it's, you've had success right? You've, you've had progress paying it down, but it's certainly doesn't sound like it's linear. And so um, it, one thing that was interesting, you mentioned like, I w- you said you wouldn't describe it as an extravagant wedding, but actually in your email to me, you literally wrote, I had an extravagant wedding last year. Um, <laughs> it was extravagant. Oh my gosh, it was gorgeous. We had such a beautiful venue and the food was great. And the DJ was well paid and I certainly don't regret anything there. And I've heard that from people that say, I spent too much on my wedding. I don't have that feeling at all because it was an amazing time. Yeah, so it, it does definitely seems like despite the fact that you sort of took a step back if we just zoom in on your financial picture, your credit card debt, your loans, um, it does seem like you went in with two eyes wide open when when this happened uh, or when you incurred the debt as a result um would you say that was there any difference in what you expected in the months leading up to the wedding financially speaking versus what happened or did, did you end up spending more than you anticipated the budget increased like okay we thought we could do it for this amount turns out really can't And then it just became very easy at some point. I was like, the show must go on. If we don't have the money, let's just, we'll just pull out this loan. And we did. And at that point, it was very focused on the moment. And I said, we'll worry about that later. Let's make sure we have this extravagant wedding, which we did. And yeah, I I knew that we were going over any kind of budget I've never been one for budgeting. I never taken it very seriously because um, I just don't. I just don't always feel like you can plan. And if you, if you, if I can accept that plans go haywire, why plan in the first place? If you can't really always know what's around the next corner, why plan anyways? So coming up to the wedding. We needed more money 
and it was incredibly simple for me to put forth the solution that, well, we'll just borrow some. And we did and paying it back. How, how did that, I have a, another question to ask as a follow-up to this, but how did that decision, especially like with the wedding, I imagine that there was like a joint decision, even though, even if you were individually the one who might've taken out the loan or credit card, I imagine that there were, was communication with your um, fiance, now wife. Um, how, how, did, how did that go? Like what was her perspective on it? I think anything that was gonna be borrowed was my gonna be my responsibility where she was able to cover so much of those initial costs before we went, you know, increased the budget. I won't say over the budget. We just kind of moved the goal line a little bit each time to say like, oh, well, that, that first budget we had wasn't realistic. This, this is going to be the new budget. Um, I think the decision was, because it was so easy for me to say, you know, uh, let's just borrow the money. I don't have any substantial amount of money that I can put forth in cash directly to this, it really came down to, okay, well, this, the loan is going to be my responsibility alone. And we've never really done any sort of a lot of like combined joint finances. And a little of that is due to, we're just from really different places financially, like where we came from. And I've just never had any money and I came into the relationship with all this debt. And it's definitely been like my responsibility to take care of that. She isn't gonna jump in and use what she was, you know, has earned for herself or had coming into her life to to get me out of like trouble. And and, and that was something that you lifted up in the email where you had expressed that you guys come from different economic backgrounds. Um, I don't want you to necessarily speak for her per se, but like, just tell me about your, your perspective of, well, I guess maybe some of the backstory, like, what do you mean by different economic backgrounds? And then kind of, how, how does that play into what you bring to the table with that? And yeah. here's me growing up, parents didn't make a lot of money divorced, which is a costly expensive thing. And just figuring out how to survive each month versus really stable both parents in the household with good incomes and um you know uh, uh roth iras to to think about things that just never even occurred to me as a possibility um and then you know just she's never been in a situation i think where she really needed to borrow money um, or figure out where it was going to come from i just yeah I, we just I just don't, you know, like growing up, like braces, I think I mentioned my email, like that just wasn't an option, like that kind of dental care, like a, a trip to the orthodontist just wasn't even in the cards for us. So I don't know if that's, I guess that's a dividing line that I've been using. Like, were you able to get uh, cosmetic dental care as a child or were, were you not and she was and I wasn't how has um having 
that different perspective influenced your own decisions as you've kind of learned from her having not, not just, I mean, her background is her background, but even her approach, let's say, if assuming that that's different than yours somewhat, like how has that influenced you? Mm-hmm. And she's definitely, she, she's not by, doesn't deal with bipolar one. So she doesn't have issues where she's getting herself into situations that she's not actually financially prepared for, able to making, taking risks and spending money. She doesn't have, that's just not something, it's not a situation she's ever, um, it's not something she deals with day to day. I just knew that I had to, I wasn't going to marry her and I wasn't going to get to marry her and, and have a life with her if I was going to be a guy who made $10 an hour. So it was just really a motivating factor to get my, you know, SH together as, you know, you would call it. And I was always really kind of combated that term, like, you know, get it together. I was like, what we're really talking about is just, you know, finances. And I'm so pleased like so many relationships where the number one issue in a relationship is financial. I actually feel very, very fortunate for us that that is like our number one kind of contention point about what money should be spent and where we don't really have big issues beyond that. And because we're so on the same page, like, um, you know, big belief structures and what we think is happening on the planet and whatnot. Um, I feel very fortunate that we argue about money. I feel, I feel really glad about that. That feels, that feels good. Like we're in a good spot as a, as a true relationship. So her situation has always just felt so different to me. And I wouldn't say I've been bitter about it. Like you didn't, you didn't grow up like me. You don't have the problems that I, I have. You don't understand. It was just motivating to me. You know, I don't know if I took any lessons from her because of that, because of that feeling like you're not from the same place. You don't understand my problems. It was really just, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if that's the case. This is, these are the things I have to do. I have to pay off this debt. Um, I have to have a real income or an elevated adult income to continue uh, life with her and to to achieve our goals together of you know house dog kids you know good cars you know trips yeah and speaking of house i see there's the the home sign uh right behind you and i understand that what are you three three days away from closing on a on a home? Is is that wow accurate? wow wow? Um, the yeah, it's really did, did I did I spoil something? Was that no no no? This is fantastic. This is just a really interesting time to catch me. I suppose we've got a we're buying a house. It was a really uh, the market as of summer 2020 autumn 2020 the housing market was just really strange bonkers like list pricing of houses versus what they were actually selling for and where we wanted to live in the Wauwatosa area it's kind of a lofty goal really but it was the dream we wanted to live there and as we kept looking at houses 
and making a couple offers here and just grabbing like a random number above the list price and saying to our agent, like, do you think this is going to get it done? And we thought we were making really big offers on houses that were way over list and we weren't getting them. So through that, we sort of branched out our search circle and found a neighborhood that we like. Just it's crazy what can change if you're on one side of the freeway versus the other. You know, let's say the two places are equidistant from the freeway, but one's on the north and one's on the south. What can happen to prices and where you can find value? Um, yeah, we're 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 closing. We're closing on a house. So we were able to get an offer accepted on a place we really, really like. And yeah, I'm, I'm buying a house at 36, 36 years old now. And this is just really some kind of dream come true that um, I know I wanted with her. I'm extremely petrified. Um, I, as somebody who has enjoyed his simple life, free of responsibilities for the most part, nobody really relying on me to provide for them. And then thinking, holy crap, I'm going to have this house with, you know, weekly projects and, you know, we're going to grow a family and I'm just not crumbling under that pressure, but I think I'm a healthy amount scared of, of, of what comes next. And that's just an energy that can be used to, to make good decisions. And I'm confident in myself that maybe putting these types of pressures or dealing with these types of pressures or having them now is going to, I'm going to rise to the occasion and you know, continue to make you know, better decisions that aren't about me and aren't about, you know, activating some pleasure zone for myself and some momentary gratification, um, you know, uh, become even more responsible. But it's just very exciting. I, I didn't, if you'd asked me, you know, 20 years ago, if I was going to buy a house someday, I would have said, I don't, I don't think that's in the cards for me. Like, I don't think that was fated for me, or I don't think I'm ever going to be somebody who can achieve that, but turns out that I am. And um, my wife definitely deserves an incredible amount of, of credit for, for helping us do that. And still right now, I'm not in a position where I was able to uh, help out with a lot of these early costs you know, especially like a big down payment. I really contributed zero to it. And although I would have liked to have said, you know, just give me another year, give me another year. I'll get rid of this wedding loan and I'll use my Christmas bonus on the rest of these credit cards and just give me one more year. Um, but we didn't, we did we decided we didn't want to do another year. We were just going to make it happen. And so now I'm going into this situation with this, this house and I'm still concerned because I'm you know I've still got this wedding loan which you know we got married last year um, and I've still got some two major credit cards like the biggest ones that I'm definitely not quite there yet and I'm not going to be able to contribute daily to a lot of the things that are going to be needed to buy a house so many tools and uh, lawnmower and just Da, 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 da. and I don't want to take out a Home Depot card. I really don't. And I know that's 
an easy would be like an easy fix for the stuff that I feel like I would like to provide and would like to do in the projects that I would like to see um, myself and her work on. Um, so I'm, I'm still going into that with, with that is kind of sad for me to know that I'm not going to be able to, I didn't, I didn't really help in a major way with this initial purchase with a down payment and whatnot. And, and right now I'm, I'm not in a position to, to contribute in major ways financially and I've still spending money on things that I don't need. I picked up this, this hobby, um, you know, you know, Nerf blasters. I picked up this hobby and it's just one of these things where I really enjoy them. It's juvenile, but they're really cool. And it's definitely something that is like a $15 here, $20 here. Oh, I need, I need this. I need one more. I need one more blaster. It's been kind of this little uh, thing. And it's, I, that some of that is still happening and that makes me kind of sad and definitely makes me feel like I'm still not in as much control as I'd like to, just cause I'm, you know, getting treatment for myself. These are habits. These are a lifestyle thing. But I hope I hope I'm able to stay diligent. But at the same time, I'm concerned that you know costs are gonna pile up. There's gonna be emergencies. Um, you know, like if we get a dog, an emergency vet veterinarian trip. Um, you know, the the water heater goes, or there's some unforeseen disaster in the home, and I'm still just gonna kind of be you know kind of standing there, shrugging my shoulders, like, well, what what am I gonna do about it i i don't i don't have any money yeah i just out of curiosity is how is the comparison of the monthly rent versus what the the mortgage is going to end up being about the same if not a little less for the mortgage which includes the property taxes which i wasn't really surprised about um so that that's going to be a really easy that's going to be a really easy thing it's just, I know there's other, a lot of other costs that go into homeowners. The one-time costs, the startup costs and all that. Yeah. The tools and the whatnot and those, emer those emergency stuff that I don't have a rainy day fund for. And it's been really simple to be a renter over my adult life. And like if something breaks, that's not my problem. I'll email the building management tomorrow. Maybe. Now would be and, your emailing yourself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> It's um, now suddenly my problem or yeah. our problem together. You, you had mentioned that you had, at the time, 20 years ago, your expectation was that owning a home wasn't in the cards. I'm just curious, like, had either your mom or your dad ever owned a home previously or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we owned a, yeah, my, my, my family owned a home. It, my mom bought it later sold it to my dad and that was the same house I lived in over the course of a few years living with different parents. It was a very modest home. I have no idea what it cost, but it was an old house in um, not quite the wrong side of the tracks, but you could see the tracks from my house. Um, so I can't imagine it was very expensive. I can't imagine the property taxes in Superior, Wisconsin to be a whole lot. So we weren't in apartments or anything like that. We, we had a home. Um, I, I still just, I still just didn't think I was going to, it was going to be something that I had. 
And I'm not sure if I really wanted it all the time too, because of my dedication to the the easy way of doing things. And just this, then this fear of, of um, pe- um, being relied on and having true responsibilities that I, I might not be able to, to do anything about or, you know, it's just really scary for me. I'm definitely looking forward to achieving some levels of pride with projects that I complete and having a cool yard and and working on the yard and sculpting it as a team and thinking about, you know, putting in plants here and, you know, having a green lawn doesn't necessarily have to be greener than my neighbors, but there's definitely going to be some, some little projects that I take a lot of pride in that are going to be different. Now our current, our current apartment, is really the peak of what I thought I ever wanted. It's this cool apartment, top floor, you know, river view, by all the Brady Street bars. And it's just the, the peak of this simple life that I always wanted. And uh, it was a dream achieved for me to have this super, uh, it's a super cool apartment. It's a good value for where it is. So it's not exorbitant what we're paying. Um, but is time for a new dream with whatever that comes with. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had a crystal ball, which I know for someone that you described is often living in, in the moment for sure. Um, but if you had a crystal ball of the future, when it comes to your finances, I'm not going to give the cliche, like what is your five-year plan, whatever. So whatever period of the future that you deem interesting, what, what do you see as what your finances might look like at some point in the future. I feel like I'm not going to have any revolving debt. I feel like my credit card bills will be gone and this wedding loan will be gone. And that's like $700 a month right now for those things combined. And I think about where that $700 can go. And it's, that's a huge amount of money. It really, really is. So my financial goal is still to eliminate this debt. And I'm just like a little concerned if that's going to be able to happen with, with random expenses popping up. Um, I'd like to have a car and a little truck. Uh, I still don't, I'm still not looking to retirement. Like I have a 401k. I'm not even contributing the maximum amount that would be matched by my employer, which any um, smart person that I've talked to says, you know, you really should be doing that. You really need to take advantage of this. Um, And I really should. I'm definitely not seeing that far. I'm definitely in a five-year range of, you know, my goal. And it has been over the last handful of years is to get rid of this debt and, I think I'm pretty, I won't say I'm short-sighted because it's just such an important thing. And I've definitely changed my mindset to think of it as a, a attacking, you know, this debt, I'm going to attack it. I'm not just going to manage it and, you know, make sure I have enough money on a certain card for a tank of gas. But um, it's definitely something these credit card companies are taking money from me that, you know, I made an agreement, you know, it's a contract but they're hurting me. They're, they're, you know, hurting my wife. They're hurting my prospects of a happy, healthy family. 
it's definitely not about saving. You know, I really don't have, I think I have a, a, a savings account with like $300 in it, a nominal amount. I'm still not even there yet with, with thinking a whole lot about savings. And unfortunately, real talk, like part of that is always having my safety net of my wife. I have always operated with that and taken advantage of that in a few different, a few different ways where I've never been truly scared of going off some kind of deep end that I couldn't recover from because I had her to take care of me. If anything, if I were to do that, which is just a, a, you know, a really unfortunate thing to, 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 you know, admit to, to myself, not just like on some, some, you know, this podcast, but to myself and to say it out loud is pretty tough. Um, so I'm, I'm not there with, with savings in a way that she is and always has been, but I'd like to get there. I'd like to have money in the bank. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't know if it's going to be to put my you know, kids through school, as they say. I just, I want to make sure they have nice things and they have opportunities and, and, and braces I like, I like my kids to have braces if they need them. Um, but yeah, right now, just kill that debt, kill that revolving debt and finish off that wedding loan and take it from there. Is there any advice that you might offer to someone that might be experiencing any or just might have anything in common with your situation? Yeah, and it's, you know, beyond finances, just get if you are dealing with, you know, a mental or behavioral problem that you know is real and is is hurting you just make sure you're getting getting that kind of help in any way you can and you know maybe I waited too long maybe I waited until I had health insurance maybe there were some avenues that I could have taken to take care of myself earlier but I would definitely let say to anybody in in any situation that if you're able to to get help with, with something like that to do it for yourself and do it for just everybody in your life. So Monty, thank you for, for joining us here today. We really appreciate um, you sitting down with us and sharing just a little bit of your, of your story. And I wish you nothing but the best in the future and good luck on that house coming up. Um, best of luck. Yeah. I'm going to take all the luck I can get and um, yeah, one, one day at a time. So thank you so much for giving me the chance to, to reveal things to myself that, that uh, only happen in, in a special way like this. So thank you so much. I think we really covered some good stuff here. I enjoyed it. Path Financial Wellness is committed to creating equitable learning experiences that meet the needs of all communities. As such, we created a survey to learn more about our audience. To complete the survey, please see the link in the show notes of this episode or visit www.greenpath.com realstories. As a thank you for your time, the first 200 people who respond to the survey will be entered into a raffle. Two lucky winners will win a $50 gift card, so your odds of winning are 1 in 100. Historically, this is where my co-hosts and I would reflect on the story we just heard. Today, we're going to try something different. We'd like our listeners to sit in our co-host chairs. What is one takeaway you had from today's episode? 
If you email a brief recording of your answer to this question, we might include it in our next episode. You can email your audio clip to education at greenpath.com. Here's hoping each of you enjoy your journey of financial wellness as much as your destination. Welcome back, Hero.